Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're about to listen to the incredible journey of Glow Recipe that started from pitching in the shark tank to now becoming one of the largest skincare brands around the world. Join Sarah and Christine as they discuss all about their journey. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame any obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable in Maine a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable in Maine has been an incredible journey so far, and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder, keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders from around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to inspire and hopefully help each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious to know how to build a brand this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's an absolute delight to introduce you to our guests for today, the wonderful Sarah Lee and Christine Chang. They're the founders of Glow Recipe, one of the most sought after skincare brands globally. They started as co-workers at L'Oreal and have come such a long way since, from their appearance on Shark Tank to now creating one of the best-selling brands at Sephora with a mission to empower people to feed their skin with innovative and ingredient-less skincare products. Their story is truly an impressive one. Sarah and Christine, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, My first question is, how did you guys meet? And tell us a bit more about your journey. Yeah, so Christine and I have been friends for over 15 plus years. And we were friends way before we became co-founders. We kind of joke sometimes that we were friends for longer than half of our lives. <laughs> um, but yeah, we first met back in Korea when we were working at L'Oreal in the Seoul office. And since then, we actually worked for the same company in both Korea and U.S. offices for about 10 years each. So, you know, we were catching up and bonding over our passion for beauty, but um, oftentimes over K-beauty, interestingly. And when we both moved to the U.S., we actually moved around the same time. That was 20. 20- 2008, um, we were working in different brands, but in you know similar functions like marketing and product development. So we just had a lot in common. And in 2014, when we were both in our respective brands, I was in L'Oreal Paris, Christine was in Kiehl's, we were catching up as per usual over sheet masking and a glass of wine at my apartment. And we were talking about our projects that we were working on at that time. And as product developers, you know, your job is to look five, 10 years down the road and see what the next big thing would be. And we realized that we were both working on projects inspired by Korean skincare technologies. And so we both had this aha moment thinking, well, we're actually the two, the only two employees in the L'Oreal New York office of 10,000 employees that are bilingual, bicultural, come from Korea have families in Seoul and passionate about K-beauty. And actually, we understand the U.S. consumers and actually global consumers, too, because we were in global departments. How amazing would it be if we joined forces and create a brand um, from the both of us to leverage our expertise and experience and also the networks that we have in Korea? 
And so that's how it all started. We, we just had this idea. We believed in it. Um, we thought the opportunity was crystal clear. K-Beauty at the time was really at the cusp of explosion, if you will. And we saw a lot of K-Beauty products being sold through Amazons and Ebays of the world, where products were being introduced at discounted pricing, focused on kitschy packaging, as opposed to the brand story or the background, um, or just product education in general. That just was completely lacking at that time. And we thought that that was just such an opportunity. We also kind of felt like it was our mission to make it more, make it right, um, and bring products overseas with a proper education and content, which we were, you know, trained to do, right? Because L'Oreal is a marketing training school. And so that's how it started. That was 2014. And we actually decided to quit our jobs, which was a difficult decision. But again, we thought the opportunity was so clear and we were so passionate and excited about this idea that um, we, you know, pulled some savings and <laughs> flew out to Korea, met a bunch of brands, and that's how it all started. We came back with nine exclusive contracts from K-Beauty brands, and uh, we opened our website after. Honestly, I mean, the journey has been so inspiring, but also I know it must have been a little bit tricky at the time to decide to leave your corporate jobs to go into this whole realm of like, creating your own business, which has a lot of risks and, you know, also a lot of uncertainties. But Christine, I wanted to ask, as I was listening to a previous podcast you were on, and there was something, I think you mentioned the fact that you were at quite high positions in Korea, and then you moved to New York. And, you know, it was sort of like, a, not necessarily a restart, but you had to, you know, adapt to the company, not really under, it's a global company, but there's still different offices. So what was that like? Yeah, so Sarah actually moved through the company, so her career trajectory was a little more continuous. For me, I actually did a quick detour at Columbia University to do a master's in Korean literature, random, I know, but I was passionate about translating, and I guess the translation really lends itself to what we're doing now in a sense that we're translating you know, different beauty cultures for a global audience. But Having done that two-year stint outside of work and going back to the New York offices, it was a restart in a sense. And I started again as an intern. And it wasn't easy. I had to figure out a way to continue to add value and elevate the work I was doing beyond the title that was given to me. But I think what was really interesting was after that initial kind of step in as an intern, then quickly going from manager to senior manager to then director and then AVP. And that was a title for both of us when we left L'Oreal. I think the best lesson from that is really the title does not define your work, right? You can always bring more to the table in terms of ownership and entrepreneurship. And of course, it's a balance between making sure that you're you know, carving out room for yourself outside of work and things like that. But I loved what I was doing. I thought it was so invigorating to be able to come to the workplace every day and utilize all this knowledge that I had gained by working in this brand in the Korea market, growing it and seeing all these successes and bringing over those best practices and disseminating it. And I know Sarah also had a similar experience where she was really tapping into a lot of her experiences in Korea. That was very valorizing and very motivating. And so I think that was a second lesson where, you know, if you really enjoy the work you're doing and it has meaning for you and you're passionate about it, as cliched as that might sound, it really does make a difference in terms of, you know, wanting to go to work every day and, and continue to do that work. And even now, I think with Glow Recipe, it's evolved as a company and a brand so much since those early days, but it still doesn't feel like work. And I think Sarah and I, ourselves lucky to be able to not only continue to leverage all these things that we've learned in Korea and storytell around them and create content around them for our global audience and our community, but the fact that we're just able to wake up and do something we love every single day, that's that's lucky. And then to do it together as, as best friends. And yeah, I think it's so important as myself, who also as a brand with the co-founder, to really use that to power the, the brand and yourselves because sometimes it can be a recipe for disaster but looking at you two I can clearly see it's a recipe for success so how do you guys um you know how did you guys first make that initial decision to partner together because you were both yes at L'Oreal but it's not you know it's you know was it in the lunchroom where you met and said let's pull this brand or what was that like 
It was actually in my apartment in New York. We, it was very organic too. It's not something that we had ever discussed in detail before. Um, we were just catching up on lives, <laughs> on what we were working on and what we were passionate about and what was going on in the market and our knowledge. We were just sharing, you know, what we knew and the prospect of how K-Beauty was about to really explode. Like we were very much aligned there in terms of how we were envisioning that category to really blow up. And we both knew because we were friends for such a long time and every time we were catching up, even prior to this meetup at my apartment, we always understood what each one of us was working on and how hardworking we were. I think our work ethics were always aligned um, and we knew that, you know, we didn't have to even talk about that, that piece. And I think that the fact that we were so aligned about the vision um, of how the category was going to evolve, the, the fact that we both understood that we were very uniquely positioned because, like I said earlier, there was nobody else that shared the same sort of combined expertise that we had, right, really to be that bridge between the U.S. and the Korean manufacturers. And the fact that we were fully Bilingual. I think that's really unique, too, because if you're working with Korean vendors, especially, um, there's a language factor and the cultural factor that comes to play that really kind of help to communicate better and work better with them. Um, and I think that the fact that we were both sharing that expertise uh, in terms of language and also knowledge in both markets was just so exciting for both of us. And I think because we were friends, we trusted each other. You know, usually... When we hear stories about co-founders having issues, first, it's because of lack of trust. Or secondly, it's because they're misaligned in terms of work ethics, right? Sometimes one person might feel like they're doing a little bit more than the other person. Or um, if two co-founders have very different backgrounds, sometimes you just have to explain a little bit more than you probably think you, you do to make the other person fully convinced and aligned on what you're doing. And the fact that we didn't have to go through those steps, I think was already really exciting for us because we didn't have to communicate over like too much um, to align ourselves. We were just very much on the same page in so many levels. And so we didn't really hesitate actually. That wasn't even a discussion. I think we just jumped right in. We started working, you know, a lot. Obviously you understand this, Akash, when you start your own business. Yeah. And even from the first few days, I think we knew that it was just the right partnership because, you know, we were both sleeping maybe two or three hours a night for a very long time, right? You understand that. I know you that probably very went well. through that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we were both so eager to, you know, build the business in the steps that we both felt was the right approach. We were so passionate about storytelling. We, we were very, very excited about creating content together about the product, the brand, but also the K-Beauty approach where we thought was really just that missing piece, right, of all of the K-Beauty sort of products that were out there. People didn't understand the whys and the hows. So we spent a lot of time in the beginning really trying to crack the code in terms of making that education piece more bite-sized, more understandable and easy and simple for people that were just getting to know about this category. And so that was really fun. I think the first few days were actually crazy, but really fun because we felt like we were actually building something from scratch that we were completely aligned on and were both so passionate about. And I think because we're both Koreans, now immigrants in the US, we kind of had this mission to help these Korean beauty brands to go global. Right. Because a lot of these brands and that was our initial business model. You know, we didn't have our own brand namesake brand in the beginning. We had an e-retailer where we were curating beauty products from Korea. We felt that a lot of brands had so much potential, amazing innovations and product development philosophies, but they just didn't have the right resources or the knowledge or expertise in the U.S. or other markets outside of Korea, they were just sort of in this little world, right? And we felt like we could just bring them over, make, maximize that potential, and tell their stories on behalf of them. And that's what we were both trained to do back in L'Oreal days. And we were always just excited to share that knowledge and what we learned from our past lives onto this new project. 
Thanks, Sarah. I love that. And um, so the one thing that really stood out as well is that trust element of between you guys. It's so important that transparency builds true, you know, relationships and never never assume anything is so important, right? Because sometimes without that, you know, we sometimes assume things, but sometimes just talking it out with your founder, you know, fellow founder and saying, you know, whenever you have those off days, which is, you know, I have it with my sister, you might have it as friends. It's so normal. And that helps, really helps to just cultivate a healthy founder relationship, which a lot of, I'm sure you get the same. A lot of people ask you, but you know, how do you do it with being, you know, with a co-founder? Is it, is it trickier? Is it difficult? But I think what you've said is hopefully going to help a lot of people. So I love that. But now going to your beautiful brand, well, you know, there's been, yeah, I know there's been a lot of iterations. You said it was initially meant to be a retailer and then it went through a big journey, an incredible journey to where it is today as truly, I will just say for myself, and I probably might upset a few people, especially ones who've been on my podcast, but this is my favorite skincare brand in the entire world. <laughs> Amazing. That is so nice of you. Thank and, you. And everything about it. I mean, like, I think I go on your website just like as a fan, like every week, just without a fail. And like, I'm always just like, it's just amazing. It's like a candy shop, but it's just so good. Um, and the fact that you've built this, I think a lot of people um, don't know the journey. And it kind of started, as you said, first as a retailer. But let's go to the beginning. Where did the name come from? Of course. So Glow Recipe was the brainchild of many, many, many discussions. We countless names, I can't even tell you. And I'm sure it was the same for you guys as well. Yeah. Um, but when we heard the word glow recipe after <laughs> spitballing for so long, it just felt right. And the reason for that is Korea is a culture where glow is such a skin ideal to the point where if you go to a dermatology clinic or a facial spa, you will see a menu of multiple different glows with different nuances. There's textural glow, there's honey glow, there's water glow, like all these different glows, dewy glow. And and to be able to drill down to that level of nuance really means people are obsessed. And I think that glow is also something that comes from having hydrated, bouncy, supple, plump, you know, healthy skin. And we wanted to, you know, disseminate real recipes and and tips and content around how to achieve that. And it felt very, very fitting because I think, you know, you mentioned that we started as a retailer and then evolved to our own brand, but in a way that process was needed for us because I think that is the foundation of how we were able to be really content first, social first, digital first in terms of how we interacted with our community because we had so many different brands and products it was so integral to make sure that we were branding and storytelling the right way to making sure that we were making concepts and routines and tips very clear um, and, and snackable. And so all of that focus around content and education really served us later on when we had our own brand because our community over time had grown with us and had come to understand how important this was, this mission was to us, um, even beyond product. And so even to this day, the name still rings very much true for us because I think this, you know, a healthy glow is still what we want our, our customers to really achieve. And it's funny because now glow is such a common word. But back then, another thing to note is that people were very into matte looks, like matte makeup, lots of powder and baking. Um, a lot of YouTubers who are all about a very like, like non-greasy, non-shiny. Um, look. And I think over time, as skincare came to the forefront in the beauty industry, a lot of that has evolved. And we're we're really honored and happy that we've been hopefully part of some of that journey. I think uh, for many people as well, you've really also pioneered that whole, even taking away the glow part, the recipe part of the way you've really formulated these incredible, um, I would say skincare innovations, you know, with ingredient led, but also you have the actives, which are so important. I mean, from your current range, we know you have watermelon, banana, pineapple, avocado, papaya, blueberry, plum, and am I missing one? No, that's it. Wow. See, I'm I, I, I told you I'm your biggest <laughs> fan. Um, so I think I pretty much have all of your products anyway. So um, <laughs> these are ingre incredible ingredients that have, you know, from fruits that have those benefits, but you've also pioneered them with, connecting them with their actives as well. So I think this is so, um, so interesting. But before we go into the products, 
there is one where I kind of discovered you guys was through this TV show, which I think a lot of people know. Uh, for my UK listeners, it's the equivalent, it's Dragon's Den, but in America and most over the world, it's called Shark Tank. So I know you guys were on this TV show. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I would say it's probably the most memorable experience um, ever in our lives. And it was life-changing to say the least. Um, but yeah, I mean, we both were huge fans of Shark Tank um, for a very long time to the point where we watched every single episode and we were always inspired. We talked about it for a while. Um, and when we first started our business, we thought it would be an amazing idea to pitch to the sharks. Um, and we always thought that it was a long shot because we had founded our company at the end of 2014 and we saw that there was an open casting call in April of 2015. So it's only a few months after we just started our business that we saw this opportunity and we said, you know what, let's try it. And if we don't get it, we tried. Um, and so we saw that there was um, uh, ABC Studios was doing an open casting day um, in New York City in April. And it was, I still remember how freezing cold it was, even though it was April in New York. We were wearing thick coats and lining up for hours, actually. It was kind of like American Idol for entrepreneurs, right? Like imagine long lines around the, the block to Central Park. And everybody had some sort of props. Some people had kids. Um, some people were crying, telling their stories. It was just a lot of <laughs> things going on. And we felt like we, we didn't have a story that is, you know, dramatic or, you know, had people cry or, you know, we were just nervous about how we could actually stand out. So we said, okay, well, we don't even know if people understand K-beauty. We don't know if the casting agents would know. But why don't we just go in? Even Because you're given an, a minute and a half to pitch your, your story. So it's very short, and that's all you've got. And so we scripted out our pitch. We practiced for days. And we also decided that it would be helpful if we wear sheet masks on our faces as we walk into the casting. <laughs> and so I think that helped in some ways because we thought that, you know, we did a decent job, but we weren't really happy with how it turned out because we, we had practiced more and we've seen better versions of our pitch. Um, and then, so we forgot about it for two months, right? And, and again, we didn't really have high hopes. But two months later, we got a phone call from the casting agent saying, we're moving on to the next step for Shark Tank. And that was just the most exciting phone call we've ever received. Um, and so long story short, we went, we made it to all of the steps, which is still just crazy to think about. And we had to fly out to ABC Studios um, in Culver City in LA uh, in September. And our episode actually aired in December. But what was really interesting, if for anyone that's interested in applying for Shark Tank is that you never know until even after you're done filming with the sharks, if you're going to be on air or not. They keep telling you and they keep emphasizing that you might not be on air and that's just part of the process. And if not, it's okay. You've tried. So again, we didn't really have our hopes up too high because when we were at the studio, we saw a lot of entrepreneurs that looked amazing, that had inspiring stories. <laughs> Um, we had our filming session, and what was interesting is some of the sharks have heard of K-Beauty, which was really nice. Um, we didn't really expect that. And we actually filmed for an hour and a half, being grilled with a ton of questions about our business. But in December, when we also got a phone call two weeks before it was actually on air, um, we were trying to make sure that we had inventory and we were trying to air everything, getting our inventory and the warehouse up to speed on everything. Um, and when it was actually on air, it was, was the most shocking experience because we've, we both had our laptops and we had our traffic sort of graph kind of going flat. And then all of a sudden shooting upwards at a perpendicular angle. And we've never seen anything like that ever, right? And we actually had our website crash for 10 minutes, which was just, you know, we were sweating yeah. and really frustrated, as you can imagine. We were calling, you know, our vendor and everything. Um, but in the end, you know, we, we sold out of our website completely. 
we just were able to move our business to a whole new level because that show had about nine to 10 million in terms of viewership. And we were getting emails real time from people all around the nation. Our warehouse couldn't keep up with the demand. So we had to hire extra people to go down to our Brooklyn warehouse at that time. And we ourselves and a team were packing boxes for a full week. We didn't do anything else but pack boxes. <laughs> Non-stop for a full week, we had to send emails to our customers apologizing for delays and for their you know, patience, thanking them for that. And um, yeah, it was just once in a lifetime experience, but it opened new doors, new opportunities. Uh, you know, it was a huge exposure moment and the rest is history. It just really helped change the game. But also what I love, Sarah, is the fact that you didn't get a fast track ticket. You know, a lot of these shows you can get scouted for or they can produce a lot of rounds, but you were in the open call. Like, so if anyone's listening, it's sort of like you you got that success. And honestly, truly, it kickstarted the whole business where it is today because of that, you know, those hours waiting in the cold in New York that one night, one day. It just shows you've got to just do it sometimes and you've got to do it the normal way, the open way, and everyone has access to that. Exactly. I think, you know... Some people are like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get in or not. Just go for it because yeah. you just never know. Dream big. You know, you never know again. Like it's just making these efforts always is part of the journey, right? That you don't know if you're going to jump to that next level or not unless you try. So I would recommend it to everybody. And you can always say no later or you can always change it later or they might not even. Uh, well, one thing no one knows about me, but I, I used to be a singer and I did the whole process that you did, but for voice. And I actually got you for did, the Voice in the UK. UK. Yeah, and I got to the blind. Well, I didn't actually do my blind audition. It's quite a sad story because I got through all the layers. I even like to the producers and senior producers. And then I was in Japan on a family holiday. And then they were moving the blind auditions earlier. And they were like, Akash. And I didn't have my phone. It wasn't calling me because the phone number doesn't work. So when I got back, I missed all the blind auditions. So I, thought, I said to myself, oh my God. it's oh my not God. meant to be. But actually, I'm kind of glad because I was just about to start my four years engineering and I would have had to take an, a year break. And you know, I Is said, your talent singing? Is yeah, that... that was my singing. Okay, that I need to my... hear this sometime. Yeah, okay. I, have, wow. I have a song on Spotify with a million plays. I don't know how, but if you want to check it out, you can check it out. Um, oh my we God, will. That's the link. <laughs> that's, that was back in, my, uh, back in my university days. I used to oh, busk on the street. Times. I used okay. to sing, but yeah, that's another story. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's what you think. Different things. But I, I, the main point I say that is because I understand it's, it takes time. It takes a lot of uh, courage and you know, uncertainty, but it can really work out. Now you have literally created, if I may say so, I'm going to quote this, it's not something, but I would say one of the largest, if not the largest skincare brands in the world. And would you say it's been really something that's been the last few years? Has it been led to something like due to the growth of TikTok? Has a pandemic helped? How has it grown so much? So I, I don't know if we would say we're the largest <laughs> or one of the largest by any means. Um, I think we're still very young as a brand and we love that because I think there's so much to do. But thank you for saying that. I, I, last year has been really interesting because it was a year of various challenges, you know, trying to think of how to keep our team safe, like what were the right decisions to make as business owners across multiple different things. And working from home, ultimately remotely, we've been working from home for over a year now, um, <laughs> has been really, really interesting. I have to say our team has risen magnificently through the challenge. And if anything, I think as a, a brand that has constantly talked about being digital first and really prioritizing that, that has also served us well during this time because we were able to really go back to basics in terms of, okay, what type of content does our community need during this time? How do we best benefit them once again beyond product? Like what do they want to hear about, talk about? How do we be of service to them? And so a lot of what we did in the early days in the pandemic, including content around just self-care, wellness, not even related to skincare sometimes or beauty was I think really, really great for us and for also for the team. And we kind of reestablished I mean, the customer engagement has always been very, very strong, but I think those days have really fortified that connection we have with our customers. And last year, we were actually able to end the year with what we called our first ever Glow Summit. We replicated it um, 
in a different way this year for international in partnership with Cult Beauty. But it was amazing because we were able to, on a larger scale with our global community, really, you know, have a day of self-care and carve out time to talk about topics that really matter once again to the brand, to the team and to, to our customers. And it was one of those examples where you just really make the most out of what is happening during the pandemic. And this way, we actually, I think, reached an even broader audience because people who wouldn't be able to join from all across the globe were actually able to tune in and be part of the conversation, which was meaningful to us. I would say outside of that, you know, with people looking toward new self-care routines and new skincare products during the pandemic to, you know, just help care for themselves has been a kind of environment where I think our approach of, you know, talking about what the KBD approach to skincare means, what carving out that time for yourself means, that sensoriality, prioritizing those few minutes for yourself while you do your routine. All of these things really did dovetail nicely with what people were searching for and looking for. And I think the wealth of kind of educational content we've created around this over the years also was a great resource and kind of library for people to, to refer to during this time. So all in all, really interesting year. I know every time I meet founders and Sarah the same way, we always have a kind of, that was a really challenging 2020. And I think another thing that came out of this time is that people are very, very invested, even more so in their social media platforms, because it's really their outlet for connection. And with TikTok, this has been, you know, a platform that we've obviously had our eye on for a long time, even before 2020. But I think that was when we were able to really dive in and start creating interesting content, once again, spanning education, entertainment, um, ASMR, founder stories, and different just touch points to make sure that we were, we were speaking to our TikTok audience in the right way. And I think all of those efforts recently kind of culminated in some of our products going viral, which was incredibly rewarding for the team. Virality is not something I think you can engineer, nope, <laughs> manufacture. And so being able to see that amazing reception to you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Your products. It was the Dew Drops, which Akashi told me earlier was one of your favorite products. Thank you for saying that. It's on your table. Next to me, right? <laughs> yes. But I think what also helped is that the fact that our products are these hybrids that marry skincare and makeup, depending on the product, or this visuality of skincare by adding in elements that help give you an instant transformation as well as skin benefits over time, this flexibility and versatility of the products also has lended itself really, really well to TikTok. So that's been also interesting to see how people have been responding to it 
on that platform specifically. I think with virality, a lot of people, a lot of brand founders, a lot of people went, how do I go viral? And people need to understand, yeah, you definitely said it perfectly. You can't make something go viral. That's the whole point of virality. But you can definitely, you know, cultivate it and do things like having good products and good storytelling. One thing also people need to learn is when you do go viral, there's also a lot of stresses with it, meaning you can get out of stock, you can have production issues, you can have (laughs) crashing a website. So it's also be careful what you wish for sometimes. You've got to be ready to brace that virality. Otherwise, um, you'll be you'll be crying through that variety of missed opportunities. Very true. So I say that we had we had the same thing last year when we were just launching went viral and incredible. Um, you know, I actually didn't we just didn't expect it. Yeah, and actually it was you know it was someone that we we worked with and my sister. Um, she didn't even like you know she was the one who did that and uh, she didn't even give like the proper like tag of Fable and Main or anything. It was just like go and I was like Nikki you didn't say to tag at Fable and Main? I was like, why wasn't that in the email loop? You know, there's all these things like, <laughs> no one got to see the tag. Uh, but those are things you can't, you know, maybe that's why it went viral because it wasn't so branded. You know, who knows? Right, so there's exactly. always things you can't you can't foresee. But one thing with you guys is the reason why I feel it's doing so well on TikTok is, and as you said, is apart from the formulations and the instant benefits you do see, um, and that's what this ephemeral content all about is that quick and easy content that does work. But you're just, your products are so beautiful. You know, the, the, the jars, um, they're, they're very unique. Never seen them before. Who's the mastermind behind product development between you two? Or do you have a team for that? I want to know. Yeah, thank you, first of all, for the compliments. Um, I mean, it's a team effort. We, we all sort of, you know, share ideas and come up with, you know, because we try to always push our boundaries when it comes to product development. And our team is incredibly creative, which we're really grateful for. But also both Christine and I have product development backgrounds. So I think it really helps for the whole sort of team to have us be very much involved in every step of the way for packaging and formulations. Um, But yeah, I I think the, the way we try to differentiate our product development process from the very beginning is we think about sort of the customer journey even before we come up with packaging or detailed formula directions. And I think that is really the modern approach to PD nowadays because you're really thinking about how this product's going to be, you know, sitting on the display or um, show up on your Instagram or TikTok as you scroll down or um, and stop, give you that stopping power, right? Or, or if, um, you know, the customer opens the product, what is that sensorial experience going to be? Is she or he, are they going to really feel that this is going to be enjoyable and pleasant? And then when, when they apply the product, is the application sensorial and enjoyable and luxurious? And then is the final efficacy and the result really something that's visible and noticeable? So again, we're thinking about each and every step of the customer journey. And hence, you know, thinking about social media also is, is part of um, the, I guess, the thinking. So, for example, when we created the Watermelon Glow Sleeping Mask, it was important for us to really think about how people will enjoy sharing their experience online and also how, you know, whoever is experiencing this product for the first time will be intrigued just by looking at it. And so we thought about our own experiences. And when we were growing up, our grandmothers used to rub watermelon rinds on our heat rashes, on our backs and our arms and legs. And we, I mean, it was a Korean tradition that a lot of families actually followed in Korea. And we saw firsthand that watermelon was so powerful in reducing these rashes. And so we knew the healing power of it, but we also remember those very icy, cold watermelon rinds kind of being rubbed on our skin. And we wanted to replicate that same experience with our packaging. So we were inspired by an ice cube. Um, And if you imagine, you know, pouring warm water on an ice cube, it kind of, you know, softens the edges and you're not going to get a perfect cube. It's actually kind of like an irregular shape. And we were so inspired by that thought and the experience, again, of that chilled, you know, icy product or, you know, ingredient being rubbed on the skin. We wanted the same visual experience for the customers. So that's how it came about. Um, If you think about our latest viral product, which is watermelon dewdrops, yeah, you have it on your hand. Um, This product, you know, looks like a droplet, right? Like a glow droplet, 
But also, if you put it upside down, it looks like a light bulb. And we just wanted to, you know, leave that up for interpretation for our customers. And a lot of people actually have said it looks like a light bulb for them. And niacinamide, which is a key ingredient for dewdrops, is known for its brightening properties. And we wanted everyone to feel like they're walking around with the most glowy, brighter skin. And um, and so light bulb was actually part of the inspiration as well. I mean, even, even the the plump uh, serum, it kind of reminds you of like a, of a plum with a plum pump. And it's like really cool. Like everything you've done, it's so thought out and you can really tell an instant look. Sometimes, you know, it's actually so cool because it's nice to not be so explicit. As you said, like, you know, it's not specifically an ice cube, but when you look deeper and deeper into it, you can really start seeing that thought and that does have that secondary effect. So genius. Yeah. And I think part of what made our brand really just become better known um, is because a lot of people were so excited to share photos of shelfies on their Instagram as soon as we launched this product, not only to share their results as like a mini review in their captions, but visually it just looked so beautiful on their vanities. So, so many of our community members started sharing that. And I think that was part of the driver. Honestly, what you guys have done with the with all of that is incredible to also do that while having cohesiveness because that's sometimes so hard. You know, with new product development, you still managed. I don't know how you did it. I don't know if you thought about this product pipeline from, you know, years ago, but you managed to look like it was planned to a T. So it's incredible. One thing I wanted to ask was about sort of the future for Glow Recipe in terms of your visions and uh, without obviously spilling any tea, but just very top line, what do you hope for the brand and yourselves as co-founders? So a couple things. I think, of course, product innovation is still, you know, king. It's incredibly important to us as a team. And we want to continue to find really innovative fruit and active ingredient pairings so that we're continuing to deliver that sense of reality, that efficacy, and really an experience, both in terms of benefits. That's something that we're constantly thinking about, like how to push the envelope and how to push the boundaries around. Outside a product, I mean, I think 2020 was really a year where we were able to more clearly talk about a lot of the initiatives that we have been doing as a company for a long time. So for example, very first product, the watermelon mask was chosen to be in a glass jar because we knew that it would be more easily curbside recyclable and the glass we used and still use today is 20% recycled material. And we wanted to have more concrete sustainability initiatives, dates, charters around what our goals were long-term and communicate that out to our, our, our customers. And so I think that's been a focus for the company as we grow. And we've been able to, for example, promise we will be phasing out of spatulas, one-time use single use spatulas by the end of the year. We have already moved into, for most part, FSC certified cartons that are free of heavy metals and are printed with soy ink. Um, we're value engineering the boxes right now to make sure we're as efficient as possible. And then in terms of sustainability, moving on to like ingredients, like outside of us saying that we're a clean beauty brand, like what does our sourcing look like? How are we being thoughtful about that process? So, for example, using um, squalane that's derived from sugarcane byproduct or using kakadu plum extract that goes into the plum plump serum that's actually sourced from an EcoCert certified provider in Australia. And just taking the extra steps to make sure that we're being thoughtful about all of our processes across the board, I think, is a big focus for the company. And we've also committed to being carbon neutral by 2022. So that was, it's a major goal. There's a lot of work to be done in terms of measuring and thinking about how we offset and, and be responsible in in those, in those terms. And I think it's going to be incredibly rewarding, but it will be a process to get there and we'll just transparently loop in our, our community every step of the way. And then outside of that, just making sure that, you know, our pillars around charity, for example, the values that we you know, really care about as a company and want to contribute to and making sure those elements are really clear. We've been donating to various charities around female empowerment and diversity inclusion for years now. But as of last year, we created Glow for Good, which is really consolidated around three platforms, the female empowerment, I mentioned earlier, diversity, inclusion, and then the environment. And so with that, we're open sourcing charities from our 
customers as well. So we are constantly asking, what type of charities do you want to see us donate to? Um, and then every so often, our team really goes through them in depth to think about, you know, what our next activities will be for the next, you know, few months, year, um, and how we can make the most impact. So I think thinking about all these things um, from a macro point of view around company, brand, and where we're going long term, I think is something very much top of mind for us. I think that's well, some of the most inspiring answer to that question, because not only are you guys, you know, you, you're understanding it's a journey and there is a timeline. It can't happen overnight. And I love that you have to be realistic with these things that come at t- costs and you know resources. But also, you know, especially with the charity part, you guys actually, you're not one of those brands that just say it. You guys do it. And one thing I can say from my heart is you instantly donated to India recently with the COVID crisis. And, you know, that was just so coming from a South Asian brand and other South Asian brands out there, I'm not saying... So specific brands need to have the first go-to response, but you guys, I mean, were the first, one of the first go-to just straight away you donated and it was just so heartwarming. And I, I want to thank you guys for that specifically, but also for all you're continuing to do. And recently I know that with Act to Change, do you want to tell us a bit about the event that you guys are organized? Yeah. And we're really excited to have you as part of the event as well, Akash, and your sister. Um, but yeah, Act to Change is an amazing nonprofit organization that focuses on helping to address the issues of bullying against Asian Americans or AAPI um, teens and, and the younger sort of people. And when we heard their mission, we really wanted to be part of it and find ways to support their cause. We found out that Act to Change is doing some amazing events already. Um, There's an event uh, actually next week which we're sponsoring and it's kind of like their annual gala where they get together and celebrate um, the Asian American and also you know Pacific Islanders heritage all together but we actually um, are doing our Glow Recipe X Act to Change event um, on the 23rd where We're really going to tell stories about our backgrounds, our upbringing, our inspirations, um, and have people that we believe are true trailblazers in the industry, in both beauty and fashion, join us for the day and share their stories. And I think, Akash, you're a part of it too. And we're very honored to have you to share your background um, with the Indian heritage, the secrets behind, you know, Indian beauty, which we're all, the world is always um, in awe of. So we're excited for that session. But um, Christine and I will also be in two separate panels with uh, different, again, industry leaders to talk about the Korean beauty traditions or the backgrounds of how, you know, each and every individual on that panel has become who they are. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited about that event. I'm so excited. And um this podcast might release itself a bit later. So if it is, if you're listening to it after, go, you have to go check out Glow Recipe um, to see the highlights of the event and definitely the continuation of the incredible work you guys are doing and committed to do. Um, one thing before we, we wrap up with some fire round questions is I want to just get to know a bit more about you guys and how you stay as founders so grounded and um, you know so motivated each day. So what's Maybe, Christine, if you want to start, what's your routine? I know it's quite hard to have a specific routine, especially during a pandemic where we don't want to necessarily do the same thing every day. But what's what's your little tips to stay, you know, how you are? Interesting. Um, there's a few things, but recently I've been finding, you know, the early days of the pandemic where none of us left the house and everything was like getting a little dark. Yep. <laughs> or, or, I, even, or, even, or even today I, still, kind of. <laughs> for a me. little bit. Um and the demarcation of your bed to your desk, life, work, we're getting very, very blurry. And I think what's really helped is my kid has started to go back to hybrid school. And so walking her to school every morning, having a conversation, actually, you know, putting on real clothes <laughs> and going outside has been incredibly helpful to kind of set the tone for, OK, this is how I started my day and get a little exercise while I'm at it. And so we've been doing that actually at the end of the day too, where we take a walk as a family, because I think you just need to find ways to create boundaries for yourself during this time. Love that. And and Sarah? Um, Yeah, in similar vein, I think um, structuring your day so that you have some sort of a boundary 
um, within work and then also within your personal space, I think is really important because otherwise things could feel a little overwhelming. You feel like you're doing more than you should, you know, and you don't ever want to feel that way. So I always try and find ways to schedule certain things. And I actually really, my calendar is almost my Bible. <laughs> I always refer to it and that controls my day actually pretty much. But um, even for personal things, you know, for the things that I don't want to forget or even having, you know, extra quality time with my friends that are overseas or, you know, outside of New York, I try to, you know, put those on my schedule, on my calendar, um, so that I can just make sure that that's also part of what I do and, you know, check in on friends and family that I, I love and I care for. Um, so that's definitely something that I try to do more, uh, especially during this time. And then just small things that actually, um, in terms of lifestyle that I've changed. So I quit coffee entirely, which is a big <laughs> commitment admirable. coming Very from admirable. somebody that used to have coffee three or four times a day, every single day. Um, and I switched it over to matcha, which I actually kept, yeah. yeah, which, you know, is keeping me actually really just healthy. I feel like my body and skin um, are looking healthier and glowier than before. Um, and then also I'm trying to stay healthy by having more fruits. <laughs> We're a fruit forward company, so yeah. that's always part of the inspiration. But I try to make, you know, different and interesting fruit smoothie recipes. Um, and I play with the different ingredients. And that's been really fun to experiment with. I love that. Maybe even also I can give you some product ideas in the future, especially if you go know, for more exotic exactly. fruits. Now, I love that. I have, I have coffee right next to me, so I'm not going to finish that. Thank you for uh, <laughs> I'll go pour it out and get a matcha after, especially at this Small time. Small amounts daily is actually not bad. So. Yeah, I, but I need to limit them, to be honest. But I agree. I, I love that. Um, and I have a last question uh, before the fire round, which I ask all my guests, which is a sort of an anecdote. So imagine traveling is opening up and TSA is being a little bit trickier than normal. And they're saying to you both, Sarah and Christine, that you can only take one product each. And obviously you're going to choose a great recipe <laughs> I product. I like this better than the desert island question. <laughs> yeah, I thought it's a bit more <laughs> relevant. It's more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> also ends up a bit more positive that we can travel hopefully soon. Um, so, but then, yeah, one product only. So which one product from Glow Recipe would you both take? And maybe, Christine, you start. A few drops because I can use it as a serum at night. And then in the morning before meetings, I can use it as kind of <laughs> something to help me look really polished. Um, I, I will be in pain if I don't have sunscreen, but absolutely dewdrops. Dew yeah. Love it. Sarah? Yeah, I was going to say dewdrops too, but since um, <laughs> Kristen said that. Um, you can share your product, I, so take another we one. Can share, exactly. You can we, share my we bottle. We usually travel together, so yeah, I'll definitely share That's hers. That's true. Um, I will bring the Watermelon Glow Pink Juice Moisturizer. I have oily combination skin, and pink juice is probably the one moisturizer that keeps my skin really balanced without making it feel too much or suffocating, and I hate the feeling of, you know, my pores being clogged, even if it's not, you know, the feeling of it, if it feels a little too greasy or rich, um, but at the same time, because it is made of over 90% watermelon extract and it has hyaluronic acid, it is intensely hydrating, so it's really that Goldilocks of moisturizers for my skin type, and I apply it pretty much every single day. So I will take that with me. I love it. Uh, I'll probably, the thing is, like, I, I always say I'll, I'll take your dew drops and my sister was like, yeah, but you know, it's meant for makeup. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. It works for me. Like, cause this dew drops, can you tell a little bit more about it? Because uh, is it meant for makeup or is it meant for any, anyone? It's like a serum. It's actually a very versatile product. And that was very intentionally made. So because we wanted a product that gives you hydration and glow every step of the way which is a very much K-beauty approach for everything related to skincare. But um, the, the real inspiration for this product was actually um, from us witnessing Korean celebrity makeup artists using treatments, facial treatments for uh, glowing skin, even on top of makeup for photo shoots. So for editorial purposes, we saw them use facial oil, sometimes Vaseline too. You know, we all have seen that. But also we saw Korean makeup artists using serums and oils and mixing them with foundation or adding that extra layer on top of, you know, your cheekbones um, and different, you know, points of the face for highlight. And that was a true inspiration for us. So we wanted to create something that's easy to use for everybody without having to worry about ingredients. So this is essentially a serum that can be used 
like a makeup product without makeup ingredients. It has no mica, no pearls, um, no residue for any skin tone, right? Because I think deeper skin tones sometimes use highlighters that leave some sort of gray cast or residue. And this has none of that because the full blend is made with skincare ingredients only. But you can use it as a brightening serum because it has niacinamide and it's very concentrated with it. So you'll get that brighter, even skin tone and texture. But if you use it as a primer, your skin will glow and look hydrated all day long under your foundation. And if you use it over your cheekbones and sometimes even on your eyelids, because this product is ophthalmologist tested and safe to use around the eyes, you can create that beautiful wet finish and that almost exaggerated glowy look that you've seen on editorial, but not necessarily were able to translate for your own face. And now you're able to do that with this product. And it's so important because, you know, the way we now all treat our selfies and our Instagram stories, is kind of like our own editorial. So you can do it yourself. This is a perfect Perfectly product. said. I couldn't, I couldn't encourage people to go and buy it now because it's just a fantastic product. So we're going to end with some fire round questions. And I think uh, maybe we'll go uh, Christine first and then Sarah. First question. What is another beauty brand that you love? And obviously Fable and Maine, we know, but let's say not, not Fable and Maine. What? Wait, I was really going to say Fable I know. and Maine. <laughs> no, but not Fable and Maine. Uh, what, other, what beauty brand do you love? <laughs> I think Kosas is really great um, for makeup that's very, you know, great ingredients, really easy to apply. I've been enjoying using them during the during this time. Yeah, I love the Kosas Sport, um, the lip, uh, lip balm. It's amazing. Sarah? Oh, um, I love the It Cosmetics CC Cream. Um, <laughs> it's been a staple of my makeup routine, and uh, it has a nice, just a perfect amount of coverage um, that still makes your skin look really natural. But it also, and it also gives you a nice glow, and it's SPF 50. So for me, it's, yeah, it's the really SPF nice. is very important. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Um, what's a guilty pleasure of yours, Christine? Cheetos. You know, uh, someone else said Cheetos. Um, and the funny thing is, have you seen this Cheetos v Doritos Instagram thing? They're getting these celebrities and influencers to be Team Cheetos and Team Doritos. And like one of my friend, I Winnie Harlow, those. and another one were like competing on like a Zoom. And they're like, I'm Team Cheetos and I'm Team Doritos. <laughs> I was like, what? Well, 100% Team Cheetos. <laughs> I also love eating them with chopsticks so you don't get it on your fingers. It's something a team member taught me. That is genius. That is, it's very, it's a genius. very elevated way. Because I was literally, yeah. I actually had a cheetah bag of the day, so I have to admit. But um, uh, this is when, so I'm like 99% vegan, but then I sometimes cheat. And I'm very honest about it. I've always been about those odd days <laughs> where you have to enjoy a little bit of something. And Cheetos is honestly I one agree. of my, the fact you said it, it's kind of weird, but cool. I agree. <laughs> and I'm going to try the chopsticks. <laughs> Um, Sarah, what's your guilty pleasure? I have a huge weakness uh, when it comes to Levain cookies. <laughs> and one of our friends, my husband and my friends, really... Do you know Levain cookies? Yes, it's I do. like yes, a New York yes, yes. City... No, yeah, I know very well. Just yep. a, yeah. I just love how you said Levain cookies are not just cookies because it's these specific cookies. And that's uh, it's why very it. specific, <laughs> yeah. The texture is just, you know, spot on. Yeah. Um, and our friends, <laughs> my husband and I, our friends um, know that we love it so much that they've been starting to send us a bag each week, um, which, is, <laughs> which is really, wait, it's really wait, Sarah, unhealthy. I, I'm, I'm a bit, because you said you, you reduced coffee and I was like, wow, we went to match. I know. You there's a <laughs> I'm thinking this is a bigger topic to tackle I know, there's now. a dark side to this. <laughs> so and, I can't take your coffee, coffee comment seriously now. <laughs> I know. No, no, no. It started recently, but... And we gave feedback to our friends to stop sending. Um, but it's been... We gave feedback, but not a, it wasn't a request. It was just feedback. No, no. Could be. It was feedback. It was a subtle feedback. Subtle. <laughs> I love that. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been helping me to really keep my energy up. No, well, you I know what? I feel guilty saying this now. No, you shouldn't. You should embrace it. You know, that's, it's important. It's important. Uh, uh, let's reset because that was too, too funny. Um, 
<laughs> but now I actually want Lorraine funny. cookies. I'm really annoyed. But now I also want baked by Melissa. I love that cupcake so much in New York too. That's good too, yeah. Too They're good, things. yeah. We don't have the kind of great stuff here. Like in, in London, it's like we have Mars bars and Kit Kat. That's our best we got. So <laughs> it's not very good. No, scones. Yeah, we have scones. Oh, yeah, scones. Honest, a lot of clotted cream. Lot of, yeah, yeah. I'm more of an American sweet mm, person. Biscuits? To be honest. Yeah. I see. Yeah, okay, okay. digestives. Um, okay, <laughs> we should have another podcast just in food. I Great topic. What are you currently watching or reading, Christine? I've been reading actually a lot of Harry Potter. So obviously read the whole series, loved it when it first came out. But my daughter is now finally, after years of not being into it, into it. So we're on book four right now where it it starts to get a little dark. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure out how to read that part to her. (laughs) It's going to get very scary. (laughs) Okay. But when when you come to London, this is a true story. I live right next to, it's not really a fact, it's not that (gasps) exciting, but I live right, my family home is right next to Harry Potter World. So we'll take you. Oh my um, god! Okay. Yeah, literally. So you come to for an and Indian they sell the cooked butter meal. Beers. We have the butter beer. So you come home. We have an Indian cooked meal, and then we'll go to Harry Potter World all together. Okay, done. I really love yeah, that. Yeah, we're okay. booking our trip soon. So let's make that happen. I love it. And <laughs> um, Sarah, what are you oh currently god. watching okay. or reading? <laughs> so this, I mean, this is true story. So um, we're watching The Sopranos. It's yep. an old show. <laughs> But, um, you know, classic. it's a classic, so we're, we're, I actually never have seen it. And so my husband and I started watching it, and it's, it's amazing. I can see why it won a million <laughs> oh awards. So. Uh, it's one of those <laughs> TV shows violent, I've heard but... so many times, and I have never watched it, so I think you've inspired me to start it, because, yeah, I I've had so many it. good things. Okay, so mm-hmm. what's your, I think I know the answer to this, but what's your favorite social media platform right now, Christine? TikTok. I mean, not, not, nothing more to say. I'm Sarah. No, Nothing no, it's TikTok. just TikTok, right? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I think we can move on to the next question. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty standard. <laughs> and and the, la- the last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, God, I might be translating Korean novels to English. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be any good at it, but that was what I was originally yeah. setting out to you do South, when you, I did my little South, detour. Uh, what did you study uh, in, in university? In- Korean literature. Yeah, amazing. You never know. You can still yeah. do it. That's, that's you would still part. be leveraging your heritage. I mean, I wasn't very, I wasn't very good at it during my master's program, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and Sarah, okay. that's why you're an entrepreneur. Exactly. Um, it depends on the timing, but if it was right before 2014, I would have still been at L'Oreal, enjoying my corporate life actually, because I was very much happy before I left the job. Um, if it wasn't for that entirely, I would have maybe been a pianist because that was my childhood dream and I learned to play the piano for many many years I did the same and the worst part is is I say to I, I tell not to tell I try not to tell people because I paid it for 11 years and then everyone's like great I've got a grand piano go and I'm like uh, I learned how to play <laughs> no, it doesn't work out. <laughs> please don't I played I like my chopsticks on the really simple one and they're like what else and I'm like I can be high school musical breaking free. That's like the only one I remember somehow. I've missed all my Mozarts and all my Beethoven's, oh. but I remember that. And I'm like, why do I remember this one? So, yeah. Yeah, I get the same request too. But. Yeah. Well, absolutely, it's been a pleasure. If I was to summarize, the key to success is, you know, obviously, well, there's a lot of keys to success. There's Cheetos, there's cookies, but also the actual most important ones for me is the fact that you've really felt, you know, from day one, you've had strong trust with each other. You've really put your the brand and the mission first. I really believe you guys are truly that conscious capitalism approach of a company that puts their community first, products first, their employees first. And I'm so excited to see what's to come with Glow Recipe. I know it's still, you're on that journey, but already what you've achieved, just take a moment and really, you should be so proud of yourself, both of you. And thank you for inspiring young entrepreneurs like me who are just starting out in the industry to you know, you know follow your footsteps. I really appreciate it. Um, where can everyone find you on social media, both Glow Recipe and both your private social media accounts? Yeah, so you can find Glow Recipe at Glow Recipe for Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And then for us, you can find us on Instagram, Sarah underbar Glow, Christine underbar Glow, and uh, we will answer your DMs. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, well, can't wait for Harry Potter and Butterbeer. That's the next That's the I next know. Time. And Cheetos. And Cheetos. And Cheetos. No Doritos. All good. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. 
hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. Be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable Main goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founders Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.